TuneIn is the audio platform with something for everyone. News. In order to secure convictions in a court of law, it is essential that we conclusively. Sports. That clock at four. Donchich. The step back three. You bet. Music. You set my world on fire. And even podcasts. Whatever you love, hear it right here. On TuneIn, go to TuneIn.com or download the TuneIn app to start listening. After investing billions to light up our network, T-Mobile is America's largest 5G network. Plus, right now, you can switch, keep your phone, and we'll pay it off up to $800. See how you can save on every plan versus Verizon and AT&T at T-Mobile.com slash across America. Up to four lines via virtual prepaid card. Allowed 15 days. Qualifying unlocked device credit service ported 90 plus days with device and eligible carrier and timely redemption required. Card has no cash access and expires in six months. You're listening to WEEI Late Night. On WEEI. WEEI. And streaming everywhere on the Odyssey app. And that'll do it. More Butler brilliance in the postseason. Dominant second half for the Miami Heat, especially with that third quarter, which has been so beneficial for them throughout this playoffs. Played 41 minutes at 41 points and did a terrific job on Jason Tatum in the second half. All right, welcome in. We are with you until 1 a.m. Just a horrendous third quarter for the Celtics as now Miami takes a one nothing series lead over the seas in this best of seven. If you want to weigh in, your biggest takeaways from this game, and did they miss this opportunity? And are you worried going forward considering we don't know the status of Al Horford for game two? We got the reporting earlier today, Adrian Wojnarowski of ESPN saying that the Celtics are preparing for Al not to be able to go in game two because he's in safety, health and safety protocols. And on top of all that, you're now dealing with this Marcus Smart situation where he's dealing with a foot issue. But the reality is this. All those things could have been excuses prior to the game. If you just went into this game and you lost to the Miami Heat and it was a back-and-forth contest, fine. Whatever, you lose one game without two of your better players, that's fine. Like, you can live with that. But the way that this game went down, the way the Celtics lost this game, It's just not acceptable. This is the Eastern Conference Finals. You can't get outscored 39-14 to in the third quarter of a game. You can't turn the basketball over eight times in the third quarter of the game. Your best player, Jason Tatum, who was magnificent in the first half of this game, he cannot turn the ball over six times in one quarter. And the reality is this, as it pertains to the Celtics, a lot of these turnovers that they had in the third quarter were just completely careless. Like, they didn't even make sense. I mean, they were simple passes where Tatum is trying to throw the ball to Robert Williams at the top of the key. I don't know if he's trying to get a dribble handoff off Robert Williams or he's just trying to get off the ball and get the ball back. But these are just little passes that they're making that are completely careless. There was a couple of them where Tatum was just throwing the ball across the floor to Jalen Brown And Jimmy Butler's just sitting there in the passing lane, and he's picking it off. I mean, it was really startling to see what happened between the first half of this game and into the second half of this game. And they could just never stop it. The Miami Heat outscored the Celtics 22-2 to 
to begin the third quarter of that game. Just unbelievable. And, I mean, if you look at it, too, in that third quarter, the Celtics, first of all, they didn't score their first field goal until, like, six minutes left in that particular quarter. But if you look at it from a Celtics perspective, they were two of seven in the restricted area in the third quarter. Outside of the restricted area, they didn't hit a shot. They were 0 for 8 outside of the restricted area in the third quarter of the game. You know their whole restricted area, that little area right below the basket, that little arc, that's the only place they scored in the entirety of the third quarter. Utterly embarrassing loss for this team that's been so good, and I would expect them to bounce back in a major way on Thursday. I don't expect that they're going to get their ass kicked again like they did in the third quarter of this game. But the reality of the situation is, too, somebody needed to do something with Jimmy Butler because Jimmy Butler just completely took over this game in the second half. And Jimmy Butler's the guy that Jason Tatum's going to have to go shot for shot for. Just like in the first series, it was Kevin Durant. In the second series, it was Giannis Antetokounmpo. This is the guy. This is the star on the other side of things. And in tonight's game, it looked like Jason Tatum was on his way to just completely outplaying Jimmy Butler in this game. And then in the second half, Butler turned it on. And Tatum played one of the worst halves we've seen him play this particular postseason. I know he had some bad halves against Milwaukee. But this one, to me, these were, it wasn't as if Miami was making these unbelievable plays defensively. This was just careless stuff from the Celtics. I mean, there was one play there in the third quarter where Tatum's just dribbling the ball up the court. And Victor Oladipo, I give the guy credit for coming back from all the injuries he's been dealing with throughout his career. But Victor Oladipo is a guy that has not been great for them this season. Now, you've seen sparks in the postseason from Victor Oladipo. But Victor Oladipo just picks him at midcourt. You can't allow that to happen if you're Jason Tatum. For a guy to just casually take the ball away from you at midcourt, that crap can't happen. And a bigger concern, too, is this. And we'll try to update you as the night goes on if we get any more information on this. And I'm sure some of the information will be trickling out as it goes on. But in that third quarter, I should say in the fourth quarter, Robert Williams appeared to bump knees. And we know he's already dealing with a knee bruise. He left that game after a collision with Bam Adebayo. So that's another concern going forward with the Celtics team. So we went from the first half of this game where we're all feeling so optimistic about the Celtics, what they were doing, to now we're in a position where Robert Williams may be out again after leaving this game. Marcus Smart is dealing with a foot issue. And Al Horford, who has been tremendous for this team this postseason, is now dealing with a situation where he's in health and safety protocols, which I still don't understand everything behind this, all the information behind this, because Al was at shoot-around today. Apparently, some of the people in the Celtics, on the Celtics staff, rather, tested positive, and then Al apparently tested positive, which I, I don't understand, like, what's going on now in terms of when he can come back or not, because if he's got to sit out five days, like, where he's seen a lot of, not just in the sports world, just in general, five days being that kind of the area where you can go back to work, whatever the case may be, if go back to school, whatever it is. Now we look at it from the situation of, well, if Al misses game two and we don't know about Robert Williams, I mean, this team could find itself in real trouble when it felt like just less than two hours ago, we felt like the Celtics were on their way to a very easy win Over this Miami Heat team, it looked like they were going to completely run them out of the building. I mean, the juxtaposition from the first half of this game to the second half of this game is just flat-out startling. And look, I know that the Celtics were able to overcome 
a horrible loss against the Milwaukee Bucks in game five of that series in the last round where they blew that 14-point fourth-quarter lead, and you had, of course, the Bobby Portis rebound at the end of the game. You had the whole situation at the end there where the Celtics didn't know what the play was that they were running. It seemed like nobody was really on the same page as it pertains to that. But just this one feels worse because of everything that sort of transpired after it or as a result of the loss, the Robert Williams situation, the Al Horford situation, and the Marcus Smart situation because it felt like you had a golden opportunity to at least steal one game and then see where you're at after that. If you lose game two, it's not the end of the world. You head back to the garden with the series even at one, so you still feel like you're sort of in the driver's seat of the series. But in the second half of this game, and in particular the third quarter, I mean, they were better in the fourth quarter, but in particular in the third quarter, they just let a golden opportunity slip away. And this will be the storyline going forward. It's The Heat were great. I'm not trying to take anything away from the Heat. But to allow a team to outscore you to begin a quarter, 22-2, is just flat-out embarrassing. And the Celtics, too, in the first half of this game, I don't know if it was one of these things where remember what happened to the Celtics in that first game against Milwaukee. It just felt like the size was jarring to the Celtics after playing a team like the Brooklyn Nets that did not protect the paint whatsoever. It kind of felt like the Celtics were kind of thrown off guard by the rim protection of the Bucs. Maybe that's what happened to the Miami Heat in the first half of this game where they played a team in Philadelphia that doesn't have near the athletes that the Celtics have, especially on the wing and on the wings rather. And it felt like, okay, Miami couldn't really figure out the Celtics speed and they did a really poor job handling the size of the Celtics and the Celtics were getting whatever they wanted offensively. And they were basically taking the ball away from Miami Heat left and right in the first half. And then all of a sudden, once they came out of halftime, the Miami Heat looked like a totally different team, as did the Celtics. You think about this first half for the Celtics. They outscored the Heat 42-24 to in the paint. Fast, brace, uh, fast break points, rather, 15-6. to The Celtics' first half shooting was exquisite. 16 of 20 in the restricted area. That's 80%. The Warriors led the league at 70%. They were 5 of 8 from floater range, 62.5%. The Suns led the league at 50.2%. They were 5 of 13 on above-the-break threes, 38.5%. The Warriors led the league at 37.4%. And you juxtapose that to what they did in the second half of this game. It's two totally different teams, especially in the third quarter. I told you they didn't hit a single shot outside of the restricted area. But how about the Celtics in totality in the restricted area in the second half? 3 of 12. After shooting 80% in the restricted area in the first half, they were 3 of 12 in the second half. They were 0 of 2 from floater range, 3 of 12 on above the break threes, and they were 1 of 1 from mid-range. So great, they had a mid-range jump shot. All right, before we go any further, let's hear from the head coach, Ime Adoka. And playing the crowd, which we did not do in the first half. We got off the ball. So 8 of our 6, you know, from Jason, and a lot of them were just strictly playing the crowd, trying to draw a foul. And, you know, instead of just making the right play. So, um, you know, we, we all got caught up in the officiating a little bit in that quarter when they got physical. And I think instead of trying to make the right player drive and kick, get to the basket, we were looking for fouls, and those led to some of those turnovers. You may, how do you respond? I mean, some of those plays, you just took the ball out of your guys' hands. I mean, it was toughness. It was, they wanted it more. How do you respond to that? Do you, do you guys have to be tougher? Of course. And... That was the message after the, the quick timeout to start the half. Uh, we talked about it at halftime. They're going to increase the physicality, and it, 
it was a little disappointing that we came out and got caught off guard as far as that. Um, but simple, simple cleanups as far as what we always preach is don't play in the crowd, you draw two or three, find your outlets, and we did that extremely well in the first half, finding guys for kick-out threes and dump-offs at the basket. And so um, kind of reverted back to one quarter in the cost us. Uh, Amy, just to uh, kind of follow that up, you had 17 first-half assists with the ball movement, only one in that third quarter. How much does all of that maybe steamroll just as you go on? How tough is it to watch trying to get your guys to kind of fix and stop and take a breather and, and go? Uh, and with that said, how much do you think you missed Horford and Smart maybe in a place like that? I wouldn't say it's anything tough to clean up because we got back to it in the fourth quarter. We did it for three quarters. Obviously, you make two baskets only, and you know, you're going to get one assist in that quarter. It's just more so the things that we didn't do, which were making simple pass, not playing in the crowd, and that led to those turnovers. So nothing that we can't clean up. We've been doing it you know, most, most for the most part all season, especially the second half and in the playoffs, and it was no different from Milwaukee or Brooklyn or the teams that really load up on those guys. It's just we got caught up in the physicality and tried to draw fouls instead of making the right read. So, um, you know, obviously Al and, and Marcus, two are better guys that kind of calm us down at times. Um, we might miss that in some, but like I said, it was a little bit of everybody. It wasn't just young guys and Peyton and those guys. It was Jason and some of our veterans making the same mistakes, so no excuse there. Last two questions. Um, two questions for you, Maybe First with Rob, in the fourth quarter there, it seemed like he may have hurt his knee again there. Is he any update him? What happened with him there? And then how much, if at all, in terms of third quarter, when they upped their physicality, did you see just you know some tired legs with a quick turnaround for you guys and obviously being undervan as well? I think Rob just got a cramp in his calf, from what I heard. Um, so nothing to do with his knee. Um, I don't, you know, I don't want to use excuses. Tired legs, because we played an extremely good first half in general. We we're energized and came out flat in the third quarter. So don't want to say it was anything to do with fatigue. They increased their physicality when handled well. He made, Jimmy Butler had a line that no one in NBA history has had since they started recording blocks and steals. I mean, but with the 49 points and getting to the line as frequently as he did, what more can you guys do against him, or why was he able to be so effective? Some aggressive, over-aggressive uh, defense. Um, got some favorable matchups that he drew some fouls on as well. And then just uh, you know, even when our bigs were coming across reaching for no reason, we know he's a guy that wants to get to the free throw line, wants to pump fake and try to draw fouls, and did a poor job showing our hands and contesting that. Even Rob and Tice and some of those guys came over and swiped down and put him in the free throw line for no reason. So a lot of areas we can clean up easily. Thanks, Coach. All right, so that was Ime Adoka after the game. If you want to weigh in on anything the coach said, certainly can. at 617-779-7937. I think the biggest thing to take out of what Ime Adoka said is the fact that he said he thinks that Robert Williams, it was just a calf injury. I guess we'll find out more information in the coming days, but that would be good news if it's just a calf cramp. And he didn't say calf injury. He said he got a, a cramp in his calf. I hope that's the case, and maybe it is. I mean, you think about it, the guy hasn't played in a while now, didn't play in game five, six, or seven. And, of course, we look at the fact that he got injured in that game four. It could have been a conditioning thing where – he just ended up getting a cramp, and he was unable to keep going on. I hope that's the case, but it appeared that he was holding his knee. So I'm, I'm not going to doubt the coach. I mean, obviously, he has more information than we do, so hopefully that's the case. But he mentioned the fact that they were playing in a crowd too much. I don't even feel like that was really the case. And I know he knows his team obviously better than we do, but I don't think that was the case. I think that they just made careless turnovers that, quite frankly, were avoidable. 
That's what I felt like was going on in the third quarter of that game. It wasn't just like the Heat ramped up to pressure and they ramped up to physicality. I know that's what Ime Adoka was asked about after the game. I didn't find that to be the case whatsoever. I just felt like the Celtics are making reckless and careless turnovers. I don't know what it was. I don't look at it as like the Heat had this incredible idea of what to do in the third quarter and it completely stymied the Celtics. No, I felt like it was more about the Celtics that this was self-induced, and this is an issue. And look, um, ultimately, they won the Bucs series. We all know that. But it felt like that was an issue in the Bucs series as well at times where the Celtics just continually shot themselves in the foot in that game. And I felt like we had a very similar scenario play itself out tonight. Uh, You look at this game, too. It was just the turnovers ended up catching up to you in the second half of this game. The Celtics were pretty clean in the first half of this game in terms of points off turnovers, but then Miami ends up winning that battle 19-17. to And this Miami team is not a great half-court team, which tells you that they have got to do a better job. And Ime Adoka said it there. He heard it after the game about not putting Jimmy Butler on the free-throw line and some careless turnovers where if you reach in on Jimmy Butler, he's going to draw the foul. That's what he does. He's looking to draw the foul. He's not a great shooter. He can get to the basket and finish when he wants to, but what he wants to do is live at the free-throw line, and the Celtics gave him that ability to do that tonight. All right, 617-779-7937, the number. Brian Barrett with you all the way up until 1 a.m. So, a couple of things on the table. How concerned are you with this series going forward? With the Marcus Smart situation, it's unlikely, it appears, that Al Horford is going to play on Game 2 on Thursday night. And this opportunity that the Celtics let slip away, how concerned are you going forward? 617-779-7937, the number. Plus, a big concern I have in the series going forward. I'll tell you what that is next here on EEI. Tune in is the audio platform with something for everyone. News. In order to secure convictions in a court of law, it is essential that we conclusively sports. Back clock at four. Doncic. The step back three. You bet. Music. You set my world on fire. Yes, and even podcasts. Whatever you love, hear it right here on TuneIn. Go to TuneIn.com or download the TuneIn app to start listening. After the end of a good fight, you deserve an ice-cold reward. Medela is the mark of a fighter. You've earned this rich golden lager with a crisp, refreshing taste. Because you know, the bigger the fight, the better the reward. You put in the hours, the energy, the tough labor. You are a fighter. Medela is your reward. Medela, the mark of a fighter. Drink responsibly. Beer imported by Crown Port, Chicago, Illinois. It's better After investing billions to light up our network, T-Mobile is America's largest 5G network. Plus, right now, you can switch, keep your phone, and we'll pay it off up to $800. See how you can save on every plan versus Verizon and AT&T at T-Mobile.com slash across America. Up to four lines via virtual prepaid card. Allow 15 days. Qualifying unlocked device credit service ported 90 plus days with device and eligible carrier and timely redemption required. Card has no cash access and expires in six months. To it. WEEI Late Night and streaming everywhere on the Odyssey app. All right, we are with you until 1 a.m. after a rough loss for the Celtics in game one of the Eastern Conference Finals. 617 779 7937 is the number. How concerning is this loss for you? And how concerned is it going forward 
knowing that it's unlikely that Al is going to play in Game 2 on Thursday. Marcus Smart is dealing with a foot sprain. I guess the good news we got after the game is Ime Agdoka said that he believes that Robert Williams is dealing with a calf, not a calf strain, a calf cramp in the game. I thought he was holding his knee, but apparently the head coach of the team is saying it was just a cramp in the calf. I'm guessing we'll find more about more out about that over the next couple of days or so. But definitely a major concern right now because if you saw Marcus Smart walking into the arena today, he did not look right. He had a very noticeable limp when he was walking into the Heat's arena today. So that's a concern. And Al Horford, it just appears, as Adrian Wojnarowski reported, unlikely he's going to play. This is just a situation where it's obviously a situation that is dictated by the health and safety protocols that the league has. So that's really out of the Celtics' hands in terms of whether or not Al Horford's going to be back. And we know how valuable the guy is. And not to mention the fact that when you look at it in terms of Horford, I mean, that's a guy that you can definitely use on BAM. And obviously tonight, you don't have that opportunity to use him on BAM. 617-779-7937, the number. Let's get to Richard in Dorchester. Hey, Richard. Brian, how you doing, brother? Good job as usual. Brian, I'm sick right now hearing that Al Horford might not play on Thursday. Brian, is, did he test positive for the coronavirus? Is that the problem? Yeah, I'm guessing he's in health and safety protocols. He was at shoot-around today, and apparently we get, there's members of the staff right now that are dealing with positive tests. So when you look at it from that perspective, Richard, so, 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 it's a major so, concern. So Brian, let me, so, Brian, brother, let me ask you. Yep. If the coronavirus was to go through the whole team right now, would they just shut with the Celtics forfeit these games? What would happen? I don't know. I mean, I'm guessing if they had an outbreak for the whole team, they'd have to put the series sort of on ice for a little bit and wait till guys get back. I don't think I mean, the NBA is going to play games um, without, but, like, the whole team being available. Brian, I, but I'm Brian, with you, Richard, in this – hold on, Richard. I'm with you in this sense. Yeah. It is confusing because if Al Horford tested positive, did the rest of the team test? Those, that's the information that we don't know right now. Yes. I mean, it's confusing to me, Brian, because – what about contact tracing? You've been around everybody else. This is a very confusing situation, Brian. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Yeah, I'm with you okay, on that, Brian, man. Brian. Thank you, brother. All right, Richard. Yeah, I appreciate the call, my friend. It's a major concern going forward. We know how valuable Al Horford was. Now, look, he lost some gas at the end of that series against the Milwaukee Bucks, but we know how valuable Al Horford has been to this team throughout the postseason run. I mean, you're not here right now if it's not for Al Horford. So when you put that all into context right now, it's a major concern. You just lost game one. You don't want to go down 2 nothing against this team, even if you're going back home. And I could easily see the Celtics winning games three and games four after losing the first two of the series. But you just don't want to dig yourself a hole. And it felt like in the Bucks series, they did that at times where you lose game one. Okay, you come back and you win game two. Then you have that Game 3 loss that was kind of controversial at the end where it felt like, okay, yeah, that was a shooting foul for on Marcus, or it should have been called a shooting foul for Marcus Smart. It wasn't called a shooting foul for Marcus Smart. So then when you look at in that context, okay, the Celtics, yeah, maybe you can blame the officials, but who knows, he's still going to hit all three of those free throws. You still had plenty of opportunities to tip that back in, but you put yourself in a situation where you had to win an extra game. And then you go to game four, okay, you win that one. But then game five is kind of a debacle where you blow that huge lead in the fourth quarter, the 14 points. And then you look at the fact that in that game, 
the Celtics in the fourth quarter were horrible on the boards in the totality of the game, but in particular in that fourth quarter, where the Celtics in the fourth quarter missed 12 shots. And of those 12 shots, the Bucks got seven of their offensive rebounds. Seven of them. That is 58%. That just, quite frankly, is never going to get it done. Unbelievable, right? And, and you look at some of the numbers here for the Celtics in the third quarter. Two of 15 from the floor. 0 of 7 from 3. They turned the ball over eight times. Eight times in the third quarter of this game. The Heat were 11 of 22 from the field. That's 50% if you want to do the math. 3 of 9 for 3, so not great. They turned the ball over four times. But the Celtics in that third quarter, think about this. They hit two shots. That's it. Two shots in the entirety of the third quarter. And it was all in the restricted area. And not to mention the fact that, of course, Miami took significantly more shots than you, 22 shots, because the Celtics kept turning the damn basketball over. Jason Tatum in the third quarter of this game was a negative 25. The Celtics were outscored by 25 points with Jason Tatum on the court in the third quarter. Jimmy Butler on the other side of things, who went the distance in the third quarter for the Miami Heat, he was a plus 25, obviously, based on the fact that Jason Tatum was a negative 25. So I have no idea how that happened. I really don't. It just felt like I don't know what was going on with the Celtics in terms of just carelessness. I mean, when you have a quarter, when you have one assist and you have eight turnovers, it's embarrassing. And look, I know that the Celtics have shown the ability to bounce back from difficult losses before, like we saw after game five, they won on the road and they won game six. This team has deserved us to give them the benefit of the doubt in terms of their ability to bounce back, their ability to respond after a loss. They have, they deserve that sort of benefit of the doubt, if you will. But this is just an opportunity that you had without smart and without Al Horford, you had a chance to go up one nothing and really take control of this series, steal home court in game one of the series, and you let it get away in the third quarter. It's just mind-boggling to me that the Celtics in this game had a golden opportunity to take this one from the Heat, and they were a complete no-show. I, I just don't even know how this is possible. How do you not show up to the third quarter? Because I'm truly convinced that this is more about the Celtics than it was about the Heat. No disrespect for the Heat. They deserve winning this game. Clearly, they deserve it. But how do the Celtics come out for the third quarter and it looks like they're a totally different team? In the first half, they played with force. They were intentional. They were getting downhill. And in the second half, it just felt like they completely abandoned what they were doing. It just makes no sense to me whatsoever, the Celtics team we saw in the third quarter. All right, so if you want to weigh in on this, how big of a missed opportunity was this from the Celtics? Are you concerned going forward knowing that Al Horford's in health and safety protocols? Al Horford is in health and safety protocols, as we said. Marcus Smart is now dealing with a foot sprain. How concerning is this going forward? We'll get into it all. And what happened to Tatum in the third quarter? I want to get to the Tatum performance in the third quarter because, quite frankly, it's startling to me. 617-779-7937, the number. Brian Barrett with you on EEI up until midnight or up until 1. This is WEEI Late Night with Brian Barrett on WEEI.
All right, welcome back in. We are with you until 1 a.m. after just a devastating loss for the Celtics in Miami tonight. After having complete control of this game of the first half, it felt like the Celtics were going to score at will, and they just did not show up for the second half of this game whatsoever. Jason Tatum, 0 of 2 from the field, 0 of 2 from three-point territory. Just a complete no-show in the third quarter of this game. Absolutely stunning to watch, not to mention the fact that in that third quarter, he had six turnovers. So Jason Tatum, the star of the Celtics, in that third quarter goes for five points. Jimmy Butler, in that third quarter, goes for 17 points. He was 9 of 10 from the free throw line, 4 of 5 from the field. And Jason Tatum, on the other side of things, goes for five points. This is after Jason Tatum was absolutely outstanding the first half of this game. In the first half of this game, Tatum goes for 21 points. He was a plus 14, 9 of 14 from the field. In the second half of this game, complete no-show. 617-779-7937, 617-779-7937, the number. Brian Barrett with you up until 1 a.m. Let's get to Tim in Attleboro. Hey, Tim. Hey, how you doing, Brian? Good, how are I you? Just wanna go, uh, I, just go, I just want to go over this quick, right? I remember back uh, months ago, Al, Al and Jalen were asked about, well, if we have to go to Toronto, yeah. uh, you guys have you guys got the vaccine? And Al said, don't worry about me. I'll be in Toronto if we go to Toronto. Okay, we didn't have to go to Toronto. Now, Al, Al has, has, has it, right? Now, in the NFL, in some people that get the vaccine, they can test them three days later, and Al could possibly play Thursday. But if he hasn't got it, he could miss the second game. He could miss the third game. He could miss up to 10 days. And you got to hope that no one else on the team comes down with it, but it's like, you know, uh, you put the team in a, in a bad spot here. It's, it's like, I hope he doesn't. I, ho- I hope he tests clean on Thursday and he can get back as soon as I know the, N- the NBA is a different thing than the NFL. The NFL is more laxed on how people, how, how some people can come back. But I mean, <laughs> And, and like you got to, right? One thing about but Jaylen, remember, uh, Tim, Tim, remember, though, Al yeah. Horford told the Globe that he was vaccinated. Okay, I didn't know that. Was that yeah, he told, wrong? like, I when don't... that whole situation was going over, he said, we'll be all right. And then he told Adam Adams Himmels back, I believe, at the time from the Globe that, not that he's not still with the Globe, but I believe he that's who he told at the time that he was vaccinated against COVID. Well, maybe, I don't know, the NBA is a little different than the NFL. Maybe he could test uh, negative on Thursday or, you know, at least uh, miss two games at the most. Yeah, well, I guess that would be the hope, Tim, is that, okay, maybe if it's just, maybe if he, like, because he apparently, he definitely wasn't sick because he was at shoot-around today. So it definitely was one of these things where he just popped a positive test, right? So it you can see the pictures from earlier today that he was actually at shoot-around, so... From my yeah. perspective, when I look at it in that capacity, it feels like, okay, well, if he can get a negative test, and I'm guessing that you're going to have to get two in a row. If you're a Horford, maybe he right. will be back on the court on Thursday. But right. Adrian Wojnarowski from ESPN reported that the Celtics are planning on him not being able to go on Thursday. And if you compound that with Smart not being available again, this game tonight is a huge missed opportunity because in all likelihood, right. Horford's going to be ready to go Saturday. We don't know about you know the availability what? of Smart. Yeah. Can I just say this quick? Yep. You know, the second half started, and we just started these stupid passes, lobs to Rob Rob Williams, as great as he had a game tonight. But what gets me nuts is Jalen Brown is supposed to be the Scottie Pippen to the to Tatum Jordan, right? All year long, 
these drove down down the lane, and I don't I he's lost the ball so much time. I don't know what it is with Jalen, but he goes down the lane and he loses the ball, and it yeah. just it's it it drives me nuts and like you said Tatum Tatum kind of like after the first half he had greatest first half like a Larry Bird crazy first half but the second half he kind of turned into a wallflower and he was losing the ball and then that was it you know so I'll listen you got a great show and uh, thank you yeah I don't know what's going on with Jalen I appreciate the call Tim his lines open if you want to grab it at six one seven 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 nine seven ninety three seven. Jalen had two turnovers in that third quarter as well. He was a negative 21. He was 0 of 4 from the field. But I don't know what is going on with Jalen when it comes to that. It's a good point that he brings up there. It's him. It does feel like, and we saw this, what was it, in game six? Yeah, Friday night, the game against the Bucks in game six. It felt like Jalen was a little bit loose with the ball, and he was just sort of losing it, which didn't really make sense to me. I don't know how that happens to a guy of Jalen Brown's status. And look, he's never been the best ball handler in the league, but he's clearly improved on that over the past couple of years or so. And it just felt like for tonight, for whatever reason, it was another issue with Jalen Brown where it didn't feel like he really, in this game, made his presence felt. And look, I understand that it wasn't like Tatum had this outstanding game either. In the second half, he was absolutely atrocious. But it would have been nice to see Jalen Brown take some of the pressure off Tatum, if you will. Not some of the pressure, but help Tatum out a little bit as it pertains to the scoring load. Jalen does finish with 24 points in this game, but it did feel like he was, he didn't really have his imprints on this game. And the one guy that I felt like in this game, kind of along with Jimmy Butler, sort of took over in the second half, even though he didn't have the points, he only had 10 points in this game. But Bam Adebayo started to become a presence in the second half of this one. He ended up with four blocks, and it felt like really after halftime, and I don't know what it was, it felt like he was non-existent whatsoever in the first half of the game. Bam was essentially doing nothing for them in the first half, but it did feel like in the second half of this game, Bam Adebayo really stepped up in terms of his energy, in terms of his imprint on the game, and he had some really big blocks. He had the block on Jalen at the rim. He had another block on, who was it, Daniel Tice. So it did feel like in the second half of that game, the absence of Al Horford was felt by what Bam Adebayo was able to do. Because another thing you have to look at, too, in this series is when the Celtics, if they do go to those five-out lineups, you can take Bam Adebayo out of the lane. And what he was doing, he's kind of mucking everything up from an offensive perspective for the Celtics. So when you look at all that different stuff in terms of what he can do, he can come out in the perimeter, he can defend guards. We saw that a little bit tonight. He really can muck things up for the Celtics offense, but if you have a guy that can hit shots that Bam has to cover, like an Al Horford, okay, well, then you open up your offense a little bit more for easy opportunities to get into the lane. But once Bam sort of started feeling himself defensively, he completely took over, and it does sort of feel like we saw this in the bubble where Bam was really, and I know Jimmy Butler was in this series and Tyler Hero had a good series, but I really felt like Bam Adebayo was the best player in that series against the Celtics a couple of years ago. And obviously, Jimmy Butler, 41 points. He was clearly the best player on the floor tonight. But I felt like Bam Adebayo really took over on the other side of the court in the second half of this game. 617-779-7937, the number. Let's get to DJ in Jamaica playing. What's up, DJ? What's up, Brian? How you doing, man? um, I'm not really good, good. I'm not... uh, too concerned just yet because I think we lost a game that we could have won 
but we had two two very big pieces that were missing. My my biggest concern coming into this series. Yeah, but hold on, DJ. Things. Let me let me ju- DJ. Hold on. Let me jump in for a second there. But aren't you concerned yep. about how it happened? Like, I understand your idea. Like, if I said, hey, the Celtics lose game one against the Miami Heat, it's a battle, but they didn't have Smart, they didn't have Horford. Okay, I can live with that, right? But I can't live with the way right. that it happened, right? The way that things kind of transpired there in the third quarter. Absolutely, absolutely. And that goes to two of, one of my two concerns. The, the, the keys to this is I think the Celtics have to protect the three-point, defend the three-point line against Miami. When those shooters get hot, it can be trouble. But my biggest concern was coaching. Spolster is a great coach. We we kind of had our way in that first half. He stayed calm throughout the, throughout the first half on the sidelines. He made the adjustments that was necessary at halftime. The second half come out, we're like in disarray. At one point in time, I was really concerned watching M.A. just undressing Grant Williams on the, on the, on the bench. And Grant's like, if you read his lips, he's like, uh, move on, move on. He seemed like the one that was more composed than the coach. I want my coach to be the leader that's composed and making the adjustments necessary, like Spolster did uh, against the team. I don't know what you're on that. Yeah, I mean, I don't know exactly what it was, DJ, that happened technically in terms of like what he did tactically in terms of what Spolster did compared to what Ime Adoka didn't do or anything along those lines. What I just can't comprehend is, and look, maybe this is partly on the coach, but I feel like Ime Adoka has done a really good job getting these guys ready for games all season long, really since the turn of the new year and into the postseason as well. I just don't understand why they weren't ready to play in the third quarter. That's the thing that sticks out to me more so than anything else. And the biggest thing to me in that third quarter was the careless turnovers. I just, I don't understand how that happens. Well, I think that was coaching as well. But you could tell, DJ, he's yelling at at Tatum at one point not to make that pass, and he continues to make these lazy passes to Robert Williams, which at the top of the key, I don't even know what they were doing. Right, but there's a – so you see Jimmy Butler started cheating off his guy, Jimmy Brown. I mean, at at some point, you got to – the coach has to say to Jalen Brown, you got to run through. You you stand in there stationary, gives allows J, um, Jimmy Butler to play two men. Draw up a play with with where Brown is cut into the hole. Some form of action. It was stationary, and that won't work. And Spolster will eat that alive if we continue to do that. Yeah, it's, it's a fair, it's a fair point, That's DJ. It, he was clearly overplaying every single passing lane there in the third quarter. Was Butler, and he was jumping everything. And the Celtics, to your point, they didn't adjust. I would agree with you when it comes to that. I appreciate the call, DJ. I'm with you on that. I mean, I, I don't know why they kept it, – it felt like it was very obvious. Jimmy Butler's just staring down the pass, and the Celtics are making very obvious passes. Really, they were dictating. They were showing you where they, they were telegraphed. I, and, and that, to me, you can get away with – if it happens once or twice, fine, but it happened like eight times. I mean, Tatum had six turnovers. 617-779-7937, the number. Let's get to Lee in New York. Hey, Lee. Hey, Brian. You know, I kind of disagree with you about the Celtics kind of self-inflicted with the wounds in the third quarter. I feel like Spolstra gave Miami a couple things to do, extend the pressure, jam Rob a little bit, reach yeah. in, you know, when he brings the ball down low. So I feel like there were a few things that happened, and then we just helped them out. And if I, if Jalen Brown doesn't work on a street throw shooting, I'm going to I'm gonna just blow my top I, this guy i don't understand why he misses so many free throws I, I, that was just such a mess yeah jalen brown in this game tonight six of ten from 
from the free throw line. I, you got to be better than that, especially considering the fact that you're a guard. He's a two guard and he's shooting six of 10 from the free throw line. I completely agree with you. And to your point about Spolster, yeah, clearly they were doing that. They were pressuring up on Rob Williams. So that pass that Tatum and Brown were making in the first half to half rather to kick off that offense with Robert Williams, the Heat adjusted to that in the second half. So I give Spolster credit for the beginning of the half for making that adjustment. And okay, Butler gets a steal to begin the half and he gets another steal. But after that, that's where the Celtics just have to be better. I mean, the pass is going to be stronger, and you got to do something else. I mean, obviously, the Heat were on to you. You know, you, you think they come out of the Milwaukee series and they overcome all that, and that you're not going to see these, like, dead spots. that They're, yeah. like, full quarters of, of ineptness, and they still seem to do it. Yeah, I, I don't I, – I really – like, this one to me, Lee, like, I could understand if they came out kind of flat in the game because they had just won – what, on the other night, they had just won. They had just closed them out on Sunday. You traveled to Miami. Like, I could see coming out flat to begin the game. But what I just don't understand is when you have an eight-point lead entering the second half and you just completely lay an egg in the third quarter, that is the one to me that just made no sense. And I do wonder this, Lee, and I know that Smart was on the bench, but I do wonder if you have Smart in the game or Al in the game, especially Al, Maybe he calms these guys down, right? Like, Ime Odoka can only do so much, but Al being that veteran presence on the floor, I'm wondering if they do kind of settle in. Because I do remember the last time that this team sort of got out of control and got discombobulated was Game 4. And Al was able to get everybody back. Now, of course, Game 5, they blew it. But in Game 4, remember, it looked like the Bucks were about to go up 3-1, and everybody sort of settled down after Al had that dunk. So I'm wondering if Al's presence would have made a difference there in that third quarter. Yeah, I mean, I would have been okay with it. It's almost like if it had started from the beginning of the game, you would have been okay with it. But then you're getting these Neesmith blocks and Pritchard's hitting shots from right. the court, and you're thinking, you know what? We got a shot at this. Let's go get it. And then they don't. Yeah, that's the aggravating part, right? You wasted a game in which Peyton Pritchard came off the bench and he gave you 18 points. And on the other side of things, he matched Tyler Hero. Hero had 18 points. So if Pritchard has a game where he scores the same amount of points of Tyler Hero, I would have told you, Lee, nine times out of ten, the Celtics are winning that game. Absolutely, a thousand percent. That's why it's so frustrating. Yeah, hey, Lee, appreciate the call, my friend. His line's open at 617-779-7937. If you want to grab it with you up until one o'clock. So a couple of things on the table. How big of a missed opportunity was this for the Celtics? How do you explain what happened to them in the third quarter? How concerned or how concerning is this Al Horford situation that it appears he's going to be out on Thursday night as well? And we don't know the status of Marcus Smart. Plus, one thing that really irked me about the performance of Jason Tatum. We'll get into that in just a little bit here on EI. Your home of the Sox. Now, here's what's trending on WEEI. All right, trending now on WEI and WEI.com. Well, the news not good for the Seas as they fell to the Heat 118-107. It should be noted Robert Williams left this game. It appeared he banged knees, but Ime Adoka said in his post-game press conference after the game, he believes he had a cramp in his calf. So if we get any more information on that, we'll certainly update you. Al Horford did not play tonight. He's in health and safety protocols. Marcus Smart did not play tonight. He's dealing with a foot sprain. On the court, the Celtics were completely embarrassed in the third quarter. 39-14 to in favor of Miami in that third quarter. Jason Tatum in this game finishes with 29 points. 
He had four steals, but he also had seven turnovers in this one. Jimmy Butler led Miami. He goes for 41 points in this one. Game two Thursday night in Miami. The Sox fell to the Astros 13-4. Nate Evaldi on the hook for six earned, nine runs overall. He gave up five home runs. The Sox and the Astros play the last of their three-game set Wednesday night at Fenway. Early start time. It's going to be a 6-10 first pitch and a 5-10 pregame with Mutt. Nick Pavetta on the mound opposite Luis Garcia. Patrice Bergeron has been named a Selkie Trophy finalist for the 11th straight season. Bergeron has won the award four times, which is tied for the most all-time. That's what's trending now on WEI and WEI.com. WEEI Late Night. On WEEI. WEEI. Save us as a favorite on the Odyssey app. And take Boston Sports Original everywhere you go. All right, welcome back in, and we are with you until 1 o'clock, 617-779-7937. How concerning was this loss for you, and how concerned are you entering game two with the assumption it, it appears Al Horford's not going to play, Adrian Orzdorowski of ESPN reporting they don't expect him to play, and it would make sense if he's in COVID protocol. It usually is going to take, for just us every day now, it takes five days to come out of COVID protocol, so you're not going to get Al Horford back until, what, Saturday game three of this series, and Marcus Smart is noticeably limping into the arena tonight. I did want to get to this real quickly, though, as it pertains to the Celtics in that third quarter where it was just a complete debacle and your best player didn't show up. The Celtics outscored in that third quarter 39-14. to Here is the comparison between Jason Tatum and Jimmy Butler in that third. Jimmy Butler went for 17 points. Jason Tatum went for five. Jimmy Butler was four of five from the field. Tatum was 0 for two. Then you look at the fact that Tatum, okay, all five of his points, they came at the free throw line. He was five of six from the free throw line. Jimmy Butler got to the free throw line ten times. He was nine of ten. Butler, one assist, one turnover. Tatum, zero six, six turnovers. And 12 points the Heat scored off Jason Tatum turnovers in that quarter. Unbelievable. So think about it. The Heat scored in that third quarter 39 points. 12 of those points came off your best player turning the basketball over. 617-779-7937, the number. Let's get to Will. He's in Rhode Island. Hey, Will. Uh, hey, Brian. Can you hear me? I got you, man. Okay, yeah. So I just wanted to say um, uh, before uh, looking at this series, I thought the Celt- I, I took Celtics in five. But um, then after today, I mean, I got the news pretty late. I don't know when it came out, but um, after hearing – I wasn't going to play game one and then probably game two. Um, I'm saying uh, Celtics in six now because uh, it's not looking like we'll win game two, but as soon as it comes to Boston, I feel like we'll be able to win. And I don't know how we'll be able to play even game three because, like, my sister got COVID right now, and it's not looking good for her, and she still has it. So hopefully he'll be able to recover from that. But, um, but yeah, once it comes to Boston, I'm not too worried about the series. But um, and then I also wanted to mention uh, the our little bet here if we got going on with uh, Bogarts and uh, Endeavors, if you remember. Oh, was this uh, who's going to have the higher batting average or something? Yes, sir. So, All right, so I mean they're I mean, both they're I both mean, raking right little, now. We got plenty of time, Will. Exactly. It's a little it's a little overrated because I just checked. I mean, Dever, uh, Bogarts has him in batting average, but Devers has him in hits. So yeah. I mean. What 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 would you, what do you favor there? But uh, so yeah, it's it's pretty yeah. It's so pretty after tonight, right yeah, it's getting closer. Hey, Will, after I tonight, mean, so it's, I didn't like tonight, but 
Yeah, 338 yeah, for Bogarts and 333 for Rafi. <laughs> I mean, it's incredible oh. how much oh, both okay. these guys are okay. raking. Closer than I thought. Closer than I thought. Yeah, well, but, Rafi um, had three hits yeah, tonight. I mean, that's why. I don't know. I, I, I'm still I'm still hopeful for the Red Sox. I'm hopeful for a wild card. I don't know if anybody will catch the Yankees. But anyways, I'll, I'll let you get back to talking about the uh, what you think about the, the Celtics. Thanks for taking my call. All right, Will, appreciate it, my friend. Great stuff as always. All right, before we go any further, we got Jalen Brown. Let's hear from Jalen after this one. Uh, they went on the run. Uh, we got a little bit out of hand. Had a source turn the ball over. Just gave up way too many baskets. I think we lost the game in the third quarter. Jalen, what is it that makes it that you guys have not been able to kind of pull out of these tailspins at the, uh, the fourth quarter in game five against Milwaukee at the third quarter here. Why is it that they continue to make their runs? Like after he may call the timeout in the third quarter, Jimmy had two steals, two buckets after that. Why, why can't you guys get that back under control? We come out and play basketball. Um, most of the time we play good basketball tonight. They got the best of us. We do a good job of responding and answering runs for the most part. Um, it's a part of the game. You know, give credit to Miami. They outplayed us tonight, especially in that third quarter. Um, I got to be better. Uh, we got to be better. Be more poised in that situation. We go look at the film, um, and we come back. Jalen, obviously, um, Marcus was hopeful that he'd be able to play. Couldn't quite do it, and then Al's absence was a pretty big surprise. How does the kind of sudden of the suddenness of that uh, affect you guys in, in preparations? I know you guys generally have gone through stuff like this a lot this year, but something you really weren't prepared for. And how do you kind of bounce back if Al even isn't allowed to play the next game? Um, we just gotta we gotta be even more disciplined. Um, obviously, we wasn't prepared um, to be without Al. Um, and, was definitely wasn't prepared to be without Al Lance Smart, so um, it's not an excuse. We got to be better. Um, we still had control of the game in the first half. We lost control in the, in the third quarter in a little bit. And, um, we just got to be better. Got to play better on both sides of the ball. Um, more discipline, foul entirely too much, um, and we let the game slip away from us. Um, that's the story. Jalen felt like he may was really getting in you guys during one of the timeouts, and I know Marcus was saying some words during one of them. What, what sort of things were being said in timeout to try to stop those runs during the third? Um, during that time, they was a harder playing team. You know, they were beating us at 50-50 balls. It just seemed like everything was going their way, and we were kind of standing around watching. And, and that's not what we do. Um, we got to get in there, get in the mix, um, be more physical, match the physicality, match the intensity. And we didn't, you know, like I said before, um, I got to be better. Um, I will be better. Celtics, we got to be better. Um, and that wasn't you know, our best effort. We got we to gotta put our best before playing against a team like Miami. And they outplayed us tonight. Jake, over your last three games, you're averaging over 40 minutes a night. How realistic is it to be able to keep that up? Um, it's very realistic. Um, it's the playoffs. You know, um, it's lose or go home. Got to be able to, you know, I work my whole season to, to be in these moments. You know, my body um, is fine. I just got to be able to make the right plays and see the game and, and read the game. And tonight wasn't my better, wasn't my better game doing that. I got to handle those situations a little bit better. 
Um, I got a rhythm going later in the fourth quarter, um, and I think that was good carryover into the next game. But um, I definitely got to be better uh, for our team. These uh, first two series you guys had, you're going against KD Young. It's like two giant stars you can see everywhere. The whole defense, defense is kind of focused on them. Then tonight, when Miami made that big run, it was a lot of Butler just kind of sneaking out of nowhere to steal the ball in the box and stuff like that. So, how much is just the way that he kind of likes to lurk in the shadows, throw you guys off tonight? Um, that's what he does. You know, we knew that going in. Um, obviously, it's a new series, so we just got to be able to transition better tonight. It wasn't our best night. Um, but we let him get away with too much, you know, 18 free throws, you know, that's um, way too many. Um, so we got to be better. That's all I can say. Jalen, uh, along those lines, you guys have been very good at responding after losses all postseason. What kind of things go through your mind as you get ready for game two? What kind of things can you learn from a night like this that you need to take into game two? You watch the film, um, when you see things, the film doesn't lie. So you get to see, you know, where you lost the game. You know, you get to see all the details. And, and that's what we're looking forward to seeing and breaking down and seeing what we can come out and do better uh, for the next game. Um, uncharacteristic of us to give up 118 points. And we can do better. Uh, I know we can. So um, we got to, you know, transition to the next game, almost learn from it, leave it behind, and get ready for the next one. That's it. Going back to Jimmy, how unique of a challenge is he, the way that he's playing in this postseason right now? He's comfortable. He's, he's very comfortable right now. Um, and we got to do a better job of breaking that rhythm that he's in. Um, and that's it. We got to take the challenge. Jalen, how do you match uh, their toughness with toughness of your own? They, they seem to have kind of a mental thing going back two years ago with you guys. How do you combat that? Uh, we come out and play basketball. At the end of the day, that's what it is. You know, we got a lot of tough guys in our locker room that won't back down. I mean, we were out two, we, we were without two of them tonight. Um, but you know, we got a tough team, resilient team. Um, so hopefully, we get some of those guys back. But even if not, um, we still could play a lot better um, than we did tonight. So I'm looking forward to the next game. We just got to come out and play better. All right, that was Jalen Brown after the game tonight. So he mentioned the fact that they weren't ready to play without Al. They were, of course, ready to play without Marcus Smart because it felt like entering today, we were getting all the reporting that Smart, the foot had been swollen. So they obviously had gone into this game thinking that there's a real opportunity that Smart doesn't play. But they weren't prepared for Al Horford not to play. Obviously, it's a weird situation for the Celtics where we know the player is vaccinated. He's at practice today, and then all of a sudden we find out that he tests positive for COVID because the Celtics are dealing with a COVID situation on their staff. That's just an unfortunate situation. And the biggest thing to me is this. The Celtics overcame that in the first half of the game. Now, going on throughout the series, you're going to need Al Horford. But the whole idea of Smart not playing tonight and Al Horford playing not playing tonight, and that being the reason the Celtics lost, that wasn't it. The reason the Celtics lost this game was in the third quarter, they were careless and they were reckless with the basketball and they weren't ready to play after halftime. I'm not going to attribute to them being tired. I'm not going to attribute to them to that being the fact that they don't have Smart and they don't have Al Horford. It was They were sloppy in the third quarter. All they had to do in the third quarter of that game was play mediocre basketball 
and they set themselves up with an opportunity to still win the game in the fourth quarter. But because they were so bad, and because the Heat came out in that third quarter and they outscored them 39-14, to 14, they were just completely shell-shocked after that moment. And just to kind of illustrate how sloppy this was for the Celtics, the Celtics in the third quarter of this game, I gave you the raw numbers in terms of the eight turnovers. The Celtics in that third quarter turned the ball over on 28.9% of their possessions. Almost 30%. You think about it on this season. The team that was last in the NBA in turnover percentage this year was the Houston Rockets. Horrible team, right? They turned the ball over on 16.2% of their possessions. The Celtics in the third quarter were at 28.9%. And this was something that it wasn't like the Heat were just unbelievably relentless on the Celtics. Remember, this is a Celtics team that in the first half of this game completely took it to the Heat. You look at the first half of the Seas, they end up with one of their best offensive halves of the entire playoffs. They put up a 126.5 offensive rating, which is a really good number, an insane number. You take the totality of the season, the best offensive team in the NBA from a statistical perspective, the Utah Jazz had a 116.2 offensive rating this season the Celtics in the first half had a 126.5 rating they were 10 points better per 100 possessions than the best offense in the NBA this season in the first half so it isn't as if the Celtics showed an inability in this game to be able to score on the heat all they were doing was overplaying some of the passing lanes and the Celtics were not careful with their passes and they never adjusted to it Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum in particular mainly Tatum They were just careless, and they were just reckless with the ball. I mean, that crap can't happen, especially against a team like the Miami Heat, where this Miami team is really living off your turnovers. That's what the Heat do really well. That's what the Heat have done really well during the regular season. And in particular, this is how the Heat have been scoring, getting a lot of their offense so far in the postseason, is they're turning you over. And they're scoring off those turnovers. The Heat have been one of the best teams all season long when it comes to that particular situation where they force you into bad situations. They steal the ball. This is how they look to generate offense because part because part of the reason is they are just not a great half-court team. And you played into their hand in the third quarter. All right, we got Jason Tatum after the game. Here he is. In the third. Uh, and that's just on all of us. Uh, it's a choice that we have to make. Jason, how, how much of an adjustment, uh, you mentioned that, that first game, how much of an adjustment do you find it to be in the series here, you know, with Milwaukee and now with Miami? And, and what kind of lessons do you learn that you can take into game two? And what do you expect from your guys in game two? Uh, expect us to play better. Expect myself to play a lot better. Uh, but, you know, we got to watch some film tomorrow. You know, and digest what happened and areas that we can improve on. Uh, you know, and, and, and learn from Matthew Watch from them all. Was there, uh, I, I don't know, Jason, was there any tape that you watched? I was curious of how they defended Trey Young, how they defended James Harden uh, before the series. Was there anything you learned if you did from that? Uh, yeah. I mean, we watched highlights. I mean, you know, not highlights, but uh, film with them, you know, offensively and defensively in the first two rounds of the playoffs. Uh, you know, and they're, they're a really good defensive team. You know, we knew that. Coming in, we know that now. 
It's not like, you know, be surprised by anything. Jason, we, we all know that no one wants to be outscored 39-14 in a quarter. No one wants to turn the ball over six times in a quarter. When it's happening and you know you, you're saying, we're going to go back, we're going to change things. But what's happening in those moments that, that allows it to get out of control to snowball, like you said? Um, you know, I think, obviously, you know, I don't want to turn the damn ball over and shit like that, but um, you know, I guess you got, of course, the game, things happen, and they go on runs. That's what it is. And, you know, throughout the course of the playoffs, we've done a great job of responding um, to runs after, you know, call a timeout, things like that. But, um, you know, for whatever reason, we didn't today. And, I'll be the first one to say I'll take the blame for that. Um, you know, I got to lead better. I got to play better, especially in those moments. Um, you know, and I'm just looking forward to responding, you know, next day. Jason, you, you seemed to, to pick whatever spot you wanted there in the first half. Had a good connection going with, with Rob Williams. What really changed there in the third quarter? How much maybe did you feel or see the presence of Bam in the third as opposed to the first half? Uh, you know, I think in those first six minutes, I think they got us like 11 shots to our three. You know, we was turning the ball, but we weren't getting uh, opportunities at the end. We weren't getting shots. So, uh, you know, I think that was the story. You know? In the third quarter. All that being said, you guys still won every other quarter in this game. What? How do you feel leaving here tonight? Uh, I mean, we still lost, uh, but you know, we lost the first game of the last series. It's a long series. Um, Cliches of sound first and forth, all that good stuff. Get some rest. You know, watch film tomorrow. Get ready for the next one. All right, that was Jason Tatum after the game. <laughs> Not getting a lot from him after. Yeah, I don't want to turn the ball over. Oh, really? I mean, at least he does have the attitude of, well, you know what? We did not play well in the last series of the first game either. We lost that one. So, yeah, I don't think there's a reason to panic in terms of this matchup against the Heat. My bigger concern is just that Al Horford may not be available on Thursday and all likelihood is not going to be available. And the fact that it Marcus Smart, this situation is not good right now with him either. Now, I guess the good news on the injury front is what Ime Adoka said after the game as it pertains to Robert Williams, where he said he thinks he just got a cat, uh, cramp in his calf, rather which to me it looked like he was dealing with some sort of knee issue, so that's a good thing to hear. I thought he re-injured, re-aggravated that knee, and he's been dealing with basically an issue ever since he had the meniscus surgery, then he got the bone bruise, so he's been dealing a lot of, with a lot of stuff as it pertains to the knee situation. So that was good to hear after the game, but the Horford situation is not good because you kind of saw Bam Adebayo take over on the defensive side of the floor in the second half of that game. And any time the Celtics have a guy out there that they're not fearful of shooting, they're going to give shots to Tice. So if they 
if they have Bam on Tice, he's just going to play back and he's going to muck things up defensively where he's just going to overhelp on guys. He's going to blow things up because he's not worried about Tice. The Heat are going to live with Daniel Tice taking threes. Al Horford, as we saw in that last series, and we've really seen since the beginning of April, Al has been back to the guy that can really shoot the three ball. So if you have Al in this game, well, then it's a totally different scenario as it pertains to that spacing on the court. So from an offensive perspective, he can really help out with that Bam matchup because if Bam is going to cover Al, Al can stretch him out. So that was one of the big issues you saw tonight, that Al could certainly help on Thursday night. But the bottom line is this. this just is, it, it wasn't good enough tonight. The third quarter was just utterly embarrassing. They had an opportunity to clearly win this game, and they couldn't put the Heat away. They could not put the Heat away in the third quarter, and when you give a team like the Heat extra opportunities like this, extra life, they're going to take it. And you played right into their hand with the turnovers. You look at it in terms of the postseason. The Heat are turning opponents over 18.2% of the time, and they're scoring 19.7 points per game off turnovers. Tonight, in this game, the Heat scored 19 points off turnovers. So they need this. They need to turn you over to score. Their half-court offense is not great. But if you gift-wrap them opportunities, they are going to take advantage of it. And the Celtics played right into their hand in that quarter. All right, 617-779-7937, the number. Brian Barrett with you up until midnight. If you don't want to weigh in, what do you make of this loss for the Celtics? Are you worried going forward? 617-779-7937, the number. Plus, one other issue in tonight's game. We'll get to that next here on EEI. WEEI Late Night on WEEI. Boston Sports Original. Fine. Oh, you turn out fine. All right, we're with you until 1 o'clock. Man, it just feels like the Celtics have had a lot of gun, gut punches, rather, over the past week and a half or so. And look, it, to their credit, they've responded. I give them the benefit of the doubt as it pertains to that. They do find a way to respond to these losses like they did after Game 5, like they did after Game 3. So we have seen it in the past that this team does have a reputation of responding. This is a very mentally tough team. We've seen that throughout the year. You don't go into Milwaukee and get, get uh, win game six, rather, if you're not mentally tough. So we do have to look at it in that context and say, okay, they've earned the benefit of the doubt when it comes to that and that particular criteria, if you will. But it just feels like they made life so much more difficult on themselves in this series. You win this game tonight. You go back home. Even if you lose on Thursday night, you're still in complete control. And in that particular instance, maybe Smart doesn't play on Thursday. We don't know if he's going to play either way. But maybe you say, hey, Marcus, why don't you give it another night? And we'll wait. We'll get you healed up. So when we come back to the Garden on Saturday, you're ready to go. The Celtics had that ability to do that if they had won this game tonight. But now, and look, not that he's not going to get around-the-clock treatment to begin with, but it did feel like it sort of buys you time. You pick up the win in game one. Okay, well, then Marcus can sort of take his time coming back and get him all healed up for Saturday because Al Horford, it doesn't appear no matter what happens, he's not going to play until Saturday. And it just feels like for a team that has been this good all season long, they have a propensity to make life way more difficult on themselves than it needs to be. (laughs) It just keeps coming back. To the third quarter, I don't understand how a team that is as dominant as the Celtics have been this season, because that's what they've been. The Celtics, in terms of their net rating, so if you take their offensive rating, juxtapose it with their defensive rating, 
They were second in the entire NBA this season when it comes to that. The only team that was better during the regular season was the Phoenix Suns. They're, of course, out of the postseason. But that just sort of comparing their offensive rating to their defensive rating, it sort of gives you an idea of how good they've been all season long when they're second in terms of that gap in between, in terms of that net rating. So a team that is that good that in their last series, they just held the Bucks to essentially worse than the 30th-ranked offense in the NBA this season. The Milwaukee Bucks played at a level that was worse than the Oklahoma City Thunder did this season against the Celtics. So a team that can do all that, can be that dominant, can beat the Bucks, can go through the NBA season and be completely dominant since the start of the new year, the best team in the NBA from a statistical perspective. It's just so perplexing to me that a team that good can allow this Miami Heat team who is not gifted offensively, to outscore them 22-2 to to begin the third quarter. It just feels like this team is making life so much more difficult on itself than it needs to be. And look, I was happy to see them show guts in that series against the Bucs and come back and after you lose an excruciating Game 3, you win Game 4. After losing a brutal Game 5 where you blew that 14-point lead in the fourth quarter, and you were embarrassed on the boards, right? I mean, in that game, the Bucks had a 41.8% offensive rebounding rate. The best offensive rebounding team of the NBA is at 33.8%. So you were completely embarrassed in terms of the boards. The rest of the series, the Celtics hold the Bucks to a 24.1% offensive rebounding rate. The worst offensive rebounding team of the NBA was at 24.6% last year. So you got exposed on the offensive boards in Game 5. In games six and seven, you respond in a major way where they're worse than the 30th-ranked offensive rebounding team, which was the Philadelphia 76ers during the regular season. So you find a way to respond as it comes to that. So all these times where the Celtics have had bad performances, difficult losses like against the Milwaukee Bucks, they've shown an ability to bounce back, and they've shown an ability to win the next day. And I feel like that's part of the reason, obviously, Tatum after the game sounds incredibly confident going into the next one. He should feel that way. But, man, it just felt like this was an opportunity to steal game one. You had the heat on the ropes in the first half of that game, and it felt like they let him hang around a little bit too much in that first half. I don't know about you, but it felt like the Celtics should have been up around 20 points. The way that it was playing, and as easy as they were scoring in the first half, it really did feel like the Celtics should be up 20 points in that first half, and they were unable to really keep the heat, or I should say, they had an inability in that first half to really put the heat away. And then when the heat came out for the third quarter, I have to imagine a veteran team like this team, they looked at it as, man, we played absolutely atrociously from a defensive perspective if you're the Miami Heat in that first half. I mean, if you look at it in terms of what the heat did in the first half of this game, the Celtics, they, I should say, had no answers for the Celtics offensively. Like, the Celtics in that first half posted a 126.5 offensive rating. And just to sort of put that into context, the best team in the NBA was at 116.2 this season. So the Celtics were 10 points better than the best offense in the NBA in the first half of this game. And the Heat looked up at the scoreboard and they said, hey, we're only down eight. We know we can play better than this. And they just completely turned it on in the third quarter of the game. And the Celtics did not match the intensity of Miami on the other side. 
which to me, it just doesn't make sense in game one of the Eastern Conference Finals. Like, I can totally understand the Heat coming out with a ton of energy to begin that third quarter and the Celtics needing to take that early timeout like they did after it was a 10-1 run. Ime Adoka takes that timeout. Totally understand that can happen. But for them not to respond after the timeout and for Ime Adoka to have to take another timeout, that's what I just can't comprehend. Obviously, Miami was going to go on its run at some point. But for the Celtics to come out of that timeout after the Heat started the quarter off on that 10-1 run and then extend that run to a 22-2 run, that to me is the thing that just doesn't make sense to me whatsoever, is that the Celtics didn't really fight back and they didn't respond in the third quarter all. Because even the game that the Celtics lost in excruciating fashion to the Bucs in Game 5, it wasn't for a lack of effort. They were just getting beat on the boards, right? It wasn't like the Celtics didn't bring the necessary fight to the game in terms of that game five. They just failed to execute in terms of the off in terms of the glass. But this game tonight, it did feel like in game one of the Eastern Conference Finals in the third quarter of that game, they didn't bring the necessary fight. And that's something that I don't think you can really say about this Celtics team post-New Year. I mean, at the beginning of the season, we saw the Celtics have their own issues. But in terms of post-New Year, we haven't really seen that from this Celtics team. And it did feel like tonight was sort of a flashback to what we saw earlier this season. And you hope that doesn't happen again. But, man, golden opportunity the Celtics let out of their hands. They had the Miami Heat. I felt like they were going to win by 20, 25 points. And I was like, oh, this is going to be a much easier series than the Bucs series was. But clearly I was wrong about that based on what happened in the second half of the game. I would have never envisioned what happened in the second half actually happening. All right, thanks to Justin Turpin for producing. I'll be back with you tomorrow night after the Sox and the Astros. Have a great night, everybody. Be safe and be well. Tune in is the audio platform with something for everyone. News. In order to secure convictions in a court of law, it is essential that we conclusively sports. That clock at four. Donchich. The step back three. You bet. Music. You set my world on fire. Yes, and even podcasts. Whatever you love, hear it right here on TuneIn. Go to tunein.com or download the TuneIn app to start listening. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only twenty-five dollars a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile, get four iPhone 15s on us, and four lines for twenty-five bucks per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for twenty-five dollars per line per month with auto-pay discount using debit or bank account. Five dollars more per line without auto-pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at twenty-four monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. Thirty-five dollars per line connection charge applies. T-Mobile.com. Protect your vehicle's engine with a full synthetic oil change and save with Mobile One at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Purchase five quarts of Mobile One full synthetic motor oil and receive a $10 O'Reilly gift card after rebate. See store for details. With your Mobile One purchase, you'll also receive two times points during Old Rewards Bonus Points Month at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Oh, 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 O'Reilly Auto Parts.